Welcome to the Streamline Training Show, where we teach busy people to cut through the noise around health and fitness to find a few fundamental truths that will let you make real changes to your habits so you can get maximum fitness results in minimal time using the smallest, most powerful frameworks. Welcome to the show. And we're back. Welcome back to the show. As always, I am your host, Johnny Wilson, host of the Streamline training show and i'm joined as always by my lovely co-host cholula jones okay (laughs) followed up that's a joke from the last episode it is (laughs) and the only reason i had any inspiration is because i can currently see a bottle of cholula sitting on our table as you should always see actually my name is laura wilson my sweet and lovely wife and very creative and funny wife thank you honey yes it's a shocker that we're recording anything at all because uh, it's a shock that we survived the snow apocalypse that oh, just yeah. ran through our town. 2024 started out with a bang. Yeah, man. We're hitting, I don't know, what, six inches of snow? At I think, least. Which yeah. is just not what Jackson is prepared for. No. Yeah. We well, didn't come ready for that. No, obviously not. The streets are still very. Uh, when, I think they're just now getting icy, actually. Mm-hmm. But you can't see any of the asphalt. Mm hmm. The snow is so compacted, it's just become ice. Right. Some of the main roads, you can actually see concrete. I drove on concrete or on asphalt uh, on the way home from work today, actually, for lunch. But it was definitely a Main Street only situation. Yeah, Even I some of the know. like other Main Streets that are kind of shaded, no shot. Wow. I haven't left the cave in what feels like an eternity. So. <laughs> <laughs> but we made it this far. We which did. Is really nice. Yeah. And it's been, it's been fun. It's been. Annie's first official snow. It snowed when mm-hmm. she was like seven months old at Christmas in 22. Mm-hmm. But she didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and didn't she care. remember that. And so it's been really fun to take her out in it, especially because it comes up to her knees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's hilarious to watch her try to navigate the snow. But she loves it. She's mm-hmm. not like the least bit intimidated. I or thought cold. for some Yeah. I'm colder than she is, I think. Mm-hmm. I have to make her come inside. But yeah, she's been a blast in the snow. So I have been eating it up mm. being home with her and trying to enjoy some of these last few weeks with just annie as mm-hmm. the only child baby number two on the way Whew. yeah i was actually walking today in the neighborhood with annie and i thought i should really watch where i'm stepping because the last <laughs> thing i want to do is induce labor by oh stepping gosh. on some ice yeah please don't <laughs> <laughs> i made it safely we need all the time we can get yes absolutely <laughs> when he gets here it'll be awesome but i'd like a little bit more time yeah i think i think we could all use a little more time yeah. Well, there's no great way to dovetail into a conversation about supplementation from talking about snow, but it is uh, what we're talking about today. We're talking yeah. about supplements today. Yeah. We're, we're piggybacking off of our last discussion on nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, and we're it feels logical just to now talk about supplementation, right. partially because of the definition of supplementation, which we'll get into. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned as far as parameters that you talked about in your system, in your personal nutrition system, you talked about meals and snacks and supplements Mm -hmm. and i i don't think we have to do a whole episode on what a meal is on what a snack is but supplementation is more of a gray area because that can mean a whole lot of different things Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of conflicting uh banter that exists (laughs) uh on on the onlines Mm, the interwebs yeah about supplementation so again as always we're just kind of here to thumb through that for Mm -hmm. you present you with some hard facts Mm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah so let's just jump in Mm, sounds good johnny wilson how would you define supplementation or a supplement 
Well, the easiest way to view it is a supplement to your diet. I and mean, that's why it's called a supplement. Right. It's because it's a, an outside source of nutrition mm-hmm. outside being outside of your diet. So it's something that just supplements your normal diet with an added nutritive substance, right? So that could be a protein supplement or a, technically a vitamin or mineral supplement, something like that, um, that kind of fills in the cracks of your diet. Or that's, the, that's the goal. That's the intended purpose of a supplement. But right. to be more specific, supplements, at least ones that you should purchase, are technically considered ergogenic aids. And these are differentiated mm. from PEDs, performance enhancement or performance enhancing drugs. But an ergogenic aid is simply an agent or a, uh, a nutritional substance that makes your fitness better, that helps you do activity better. So yeah. ergo is work, genic is to create. So mm-hmm. making work easier, ergogenic aid. Yeah, They're just supplements. Their supplements are ergogenic aids. They're nutritive substances that you take into the body that allow you to do work better. Yeah. I'm just imagining someone taking that and then sitting at a laptop for like eight hours typing as fast as possible, like Claudia with the chance of meatballs. Yeah, those exist. Yeah, some focus aids. Yeah, there's lots of focus uh, supplements. Yeah. Neurotropics is what they're called. Yeah, you're a neurotropic for me, honey. Mm, that help you focus? Is that <laughs> you help me focus, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. You keep me on track. <laughs> I think, I think I'm around. supposed to do that for you. Yeah, probably but so. lately, I feel like it's the opposite. All right, so that's a pretty good definition definition and I, I think it's super important what you said that it it is supplemental to your diet because mm-hmm. if you have a broken diet mm-hmm. a supplement's not going to fix it and they're never meant to right they weren't meant to be i mean this is this is maybe a little bit inflammatory but they're not supposed to be meal replacements mm. you're not supposed to replace a meal right you're supposed to add to the meal sure yeah and there are times when I think you can replace a meal with uh, a really good shake or smoothie, sure, you know, yeah. really blended up with a bunch of fruits and veggies and protein, et cetera, because that can kind of become a complete food source. But supplements do not take the place of foods. Yeah. Well, so what pros are there in using supplements? Supplementation is great if you have a hard time dialing in your diet. So if you know I cannot consistently make myself eat fruits and vegetables at the levels that I know are beneficial for me, then a multivitamin could be really useful for you just to make sure you're getting all the vitamins and minerals that you're supposed to be getting from your diet, but you may not be because for whatever reason you've established that you can't consistently eat um, fruits and vegetables at a high enough level to maintain those micronutrient intake levels. Sure. And then there are other people that are um, strapped for time. They just don't have tons of time during the day. And if you're like me and you know, maybe you're trying to to gain muscle and you have to eat 3,600 calories in a day, it's just really hard to prepare five meals yeah. in a given day. And if I could, instead of having one or two extra meals, if I could have a snack plus a supplement instead of a whole meal, well, that frees up a lot more of my time and makes my life easier. Yeah, definitely. And for you, it, it streamlines your process, big right? Because you know exactly how many grams of protein you're going to get every mm-hmm. time you make a shake. Which is another big thing is I can, it takes a lot of guesswork out of stuff. Right. Like I don't have to think, oh, if I eat peanut butter, I'm also getting 11 grams of fat per serving. Right. In addition to my seven grams of protein. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting way more calories than I'm just getting from the protein, which means it's going to affect the rest of my intake for the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So it can really narrow down macronutrient and micronutrient levels if you need help just adjusting one level you have supplements available to you that can let you do that right it's more isolated Mm -hmm. okay so what about cons do you see any cons in supplementation for sure the biggest con 
is that supplements as an industry are not regulated by a governing body that validates their um, manufacturing process. Right. Which is to say the FDA governs very tightly the foods that are produced and Mm -hmm. the drugs that are produced in America. Right. And so if you take a prescription drug, you can be very confident that it has been very well validated in multiple different randomized controlled trials to be safe for human consumption. Right. If the FDA approved it, it is very safe. And you're if it's not... You're getting what you're getting. What, whatever the yes. label says is what you're getting. That's right. And if it's not, then you're going to be a millionaire. Because <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> you take a lawsuit like that and you win, you are winning millions. Oh, yeah. And the FDA has no desire to do that. Of course not. Now, the, the effect of the drug may not always be what's labeled on the bottle, but sure. you're getting the ingredients. Right. Same thing with foods. Food companies are required to supply information, very detailed information, information to the FDA and be subject to testing so that what they say is on the label of their food, whatever product it is, mm-hmm. a box of crackers, is actually in those crackers and that nothing that they didn't put on there is in there. Right. They it upholds integrity yeah. of the, the substance or the, the food. Right. And there's margin for error. You know, of there course. has to be because yeah. you can't be precise all the way all the time. Even Oreos, as precise as they are, they're not. <laughs> they can't be precise from every single batch to batch. Sure. But supplements are not nearly as regulated. Right. There is no governing body that requires supplement companies to uphold the standards that they say that they do. So, yeah. and this has been proven a couple different times mm-hmm. across multiple years. In fact, I would say decades now that supplement companies can say that they're including a certain amount of grams of a substance in their supplement. And it could be 10% or 300% wow. of the levels. This has been proven in cases where... Um, Random selections of melatonin supplements have been tested. Mm. And they have found shocking results from companies that either put out way, way less. So they say they're putting out, you know, five milligrams or something of, of melatonin and they're putting out one or 50. Whoa. Which is an insane yeah, that's differential. That's a lot of melatonin. Yeah. The, idea, yeah, the idea that you think that you're taking five milligrams and then you're, you're taking 10 times the dose is... Something that no one I think would sign up for right. is to take Russian roulette with a supplement or a yeah. potentially, um, what would you say it, mood or state altering drug. Yeah. Like you don't want to take something that you have essentially no guarantee is going to get you where you want to go. Absolutely. So there are third party companies that validate some of these um, claims from supplements mm-hmm. in, and not necessarily in the effect of the drug, but is the drug in this thing from the supplement? So, right. you know, you get a whey protein from Kroger. Odds are super high that that's a tested company that's going to have 20 grams of protein if the bottle says 20 grams of protein. Right. They're probably not lying to you. But there are plenty of supplements that will. Plenty of companies that this has been uh, proven as well in actual research studies. They've just supplemented ash. They just burned powder Whoa. and supplemented that instead of whey protein. So Wow. It's not even a, a nutritive substance. Yeah. It's a it's a powder, basically. I'm not even sure what they burn. They just call it ash. Hmm. And they put it in there as powder, as a, a bulking aid to add wow. fluff to the thing. Yeah. So they can say yeah. they're selling four pounds of protein. Right. And you're getting, you know, a quarter of the dose of the protein that they say that you're getting because half of it is ash. Yeah. And whoever knows, who knows whatever kind of fillers are in there. So that's a huge con uh-huh. is if you're not careful to buy from products that have been tested by third parties, these are things like Safe Sport, Labdoor, um, then you're going to run the risk of getting a supplement that either does not contain the doses it says it contains, so way less or way more than it says it contains, mm-hmm. or you're not getting 
a full understanding of what all is inside the supplement. Right. So they have proprietary blends of different um, unlabeled substances inside the supplement, which they yeah. don't want to give away to other companies right. or to you. And you don't know what you're taking. Yeah. It just and then says, you go focus compete. Blend. Right. You go compete and then you get a drug test and you fail right. it. Yeah. Because so you, you have, trusted whatever company with your supplementation. That's right. It happens all the time. It does, yeah. UFC and CrossFit are two big ones in the, in the media as of recent years. Mm-hmm. But plenty of professional sports have this happen all the time where people will say, I don't take this drug. And they test positive for clenbuterol or some, some other version of a performance right. enhancement drug. And they didn't take the drug knowingly. Exactly. They took some other random normal supplement, like a pre-workout, but it contained this other PED they didn't know about because the company didn't label it right or they manufactured the the same manufacturing plant that made that supplement also manufactured peds Uh and there was cross-contamination in the batch that you got which again is not regulated by the fda yeah so you can manufacture all sorts of banned substances right next to protein powders and Mm pre-workouts so you could just take a normal protein powder or a normal pre-workout and accidentally ingest banned substances without knowing it right? because it's not regulated. So is there really any harm in that other than if you're competing in a sport that bans a substance, right? So say like, you know, you're taking it just to, um, for your workout, right? So you're taking X supplement Mm -hmm. and you're not even getting drug tested to know if whatever you're ingesting is what it is. Mm -hmm. Is there any danger and some of the things you're taking, other than the dosage, right? Like if you take mm-hmm. 50 milligrams of melatonin when you think you're taking five, <laughs> yeah. I think those effects are obvious. Big but time. what about, uh, you know, what kind of what you were talking about earlier with the, uh, what was the one that Ellie Kabord? She was taking ashwagandha um, and she popped for. Endurable, maybe? Yep, it was Endurable. Eh, no, I don't no, think that, it was, that was Ricky Garrard. Yeah, he took Endurable. Hers may have been HMB or Clembuterol or something like that. Yeah. So is there any uh, harm in that? I mean, because it actually will mm. enhance your performance, right? Yeah, <laughs> for a lot of people, probably not. The, the only time when it could potentially cause harm, I have only seen these happen in cases uh, like pre workout and stimulant agents. So. Mm. These are agonist agents that increase things like heart rate and stroke volume and blood pressure. Sure. And so if they put something in there that they couldn't, that they chose not to report on, that was a really serious agonist and it increases your heart rate and blood pressure and you didn't know it was in there, then you're at serious risk. And this actually happened with a supplement called Jack 3D. Mm, this yeah, back I remember in that. the early 2000s. I actually took Jack 3D when I did. was coming up. Yeah, because it, it was, <laughs> I was in high school and... I saw all the the ads in all the magazines, by the way, because there was no, like, YouTube was not a thing in right. high school for, for, like, supplementation to bodybuilding and stuff. And yeah. there was no good content for sure. Yeah. Bodybuilding forums and stuff. But there were people that died while taking Jack 3D. Wow. Now, that doesn't mean that just taking one supplement caused them to die. Yeah. But there were people that had um, ingested it and gone to work out in really hot environments. I think this even sure. happened overseas. Uh, and they had serious health conditions arise because of their involvement in the activity after taking this supplement. And so there's a, there's a big risk. I see the risk primarily in the stimulant world and potentially in the neurotropic world. Anytime you're ingesting a supplement that's not regulated, that says it's going to alter your brain or your brain chemistry, I would just be really careful. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I would feel a little bit, I'd be a little bit cautious. Anytime someone can lie to me, 
and I can pay the money. Yeah. And they're telling me that they're going to change the way that my brain works. I just, I would be really, really cautious if mm-hmm. I'm not taking something tightly regulated where they, what they're giving me is literally what they say they're going to give me and nothing more, nothing less. Right. So those are cons. Some other cons could be um, an over-reliance on supplementation uh, where people start to use supplements and instead of expecting results to come from their diet, they expect crazy results from supplementation and supplementation is probably not going to give you crazy results. Marginal gains, yes, but not crazy results. Like you don't see huge body transformations because somebody started taking a protein supplement. Right. That may have been 10% of the reason, but yeah. 90% was the other health-related habits and activities they had participated in. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, they can be very cost prohibitive. So mm-hmm. supplements in general are, uh, I believe, in the billions now, multi-billion dollar industry. Oh, I believe that for sure. And they are very, for many people, they're very expensive. Oh, yeah. And for some of them, you're paying for purity. So there are some very well-validated um companies that have been around for years that have been time and time again proven to to include what they say they include in their supplement labels Mm -hmm. and so they can charge a premium because they can prove to people we're legit yeah we actually have what we say we have and other kind of new companies can pop up and disappear in five years because they didn't have to prove anything they made five million dollars and then went out of business wow and then you know the owners went and started another supplement company under another name or something like that Mm -hmm. you know just pump out product till you get shut down kind of situation. So the cheap ones are risky and the really valid ones are expensive. So those are some more cons right there. Yeah. All right. So that's a good list of pros and cons there. What would you say are the most common ones, both that like should be used and then those that maybe are misused? What, what do you see most commonly used in the fitness space? You can kind of break them down into muscle building supplements performance, general performance supplements, and recovery supplements. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at muscle building supplements, the two big ones, and these are the ones that are probably also the two biggest names in supplements in general, are protein and creatine. Yeah, and if we ever have twins, that's what we're going to name them. (laughs) (laughs) These also overlap in in genre. So protein would be kind of a performance and a muscle building enhancement. Uh, creatine would be muscle building and and a performance enhancement agent. And there's also been some literature in the last five years that's validated creatine as a potential, um, I don't know, maybe not neurotropic, but potentially useful for the brain. So treating people with dementia Mm -hmm. um, and Alzheimer's and other um, dementia-related disorders. Yeah, neurocognitive behavior disorders Uh um, can be positively influenced by taking supplemental creatine. Mm Mm-hmm. So more than just performance and muscle building, creatine can be a useful supplement just to take for uh, general brain function. So anyway, those are that would be a uh, second category would be performance enhancement and then recovery. Again, you'll see protein pop up, mm-hmm. which is why it's so popular as a recovery agent. But then there are also uh, other agents for recovery. So those would be things like sleep agents. We're looking at magnesium three and eight, ZMAs. Um, Melatonin for for some, which I don't I don't really recommend using melatonin. But then uh, branch chain amino acids, essential amino acids, uh, etc. For recovery agents. So those are kind of some big categories. The big three. Oh, another one I didn't mention would be a pre workout. That would be a performance enhancing uh, category. Sure. Yeah. Which is a any any supplement you take that's supposed to enhance your workout. So the big three that most people are probably buying and might do well to buy would be protein, creatine, and then some sort of pre workout. Okay, so let's focus on those three for this episode. 
We're going to break those down with some questions. Mm-hmm. We'll start with protein, mm-hmm. and we'll come back through and answer all the same questions. So, well, I don't feel like you need to explain what protein is. Sure. <laughs> right? But I think for, for creatine, we'll spend more time on that. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to give a quick reason why protein supplementation is what it is and why mm-hmm. you would use it, great. But how do you use protein properly as a supplement? So a protein supplement is, the, in my opinion, the number one way to explain supplementation to somebody. You are already eating protein. I mean, it's almost impossible to eat food and not eat protein on some level. So yeah. for most people who take a protein supplement, they're just not able to get as much protein as they want to take in in their diet from their meals and snacks. Mm-hmm. And so a protein supplement is just good for increasing your protein intake throughout the day. And it's useful because there's a bunch of reasons that high protein intake are beneficial for anyone, let alone people that want to perform well. But uh, from a muscle building perspective, you need high levels of amino acids in order to build new muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. For um, a weight loss perspective, high protein diets tend to increase the thermic effect of food and the sense of satiety that someone feels. And so they feel fuller for longer. And while they're able to eat high levels of food, eating a high protein diet, they don't um, tend to take in as many calories overall as if they were not eating a high protein diet. Yeah. That's been validated in literature as well. And then, of course, recovery from workouts and injuries also require high amounts of protein turnover, which supplementation of protein would be useful for as well. So there's really no reason you should not supplement with protein if you're not getting it all in your diet. If you're getting a a whole gram per pound of your body weight in protein per day, there's no reason to take a protein supplement. Sure. Provided those are solid sources of protein. Okay. Solid sources of protein. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like you chose that phrase for a reason. Mm-hmm. Why'd you say that? Because not all sources of protein are created equal. We talked about the PDCAAS in the last um, episode, where we talked about the bioavailability of some proteins are different than others. So plant-based proteins typically score very low in bioavailability. And so you actually can't use all the protein from those sources. Interestingly enough, soy protein is a very bioavailable protein. Mm-hmm. It's at the top of the, of the list. In terms of ranking on the PDC AAS, <laughs> I'm gonna stop using that because it's, it's really lame. But the the scale, we'll the call PD-CAS. it the scale. Yeah, the PDCAS. But anyway, the protein scale for soy is really good. It's up in the high 90s, I believe, maybe even up to 100. Very close. Um, and there have been scares in the past of um, men being afraid to take in as much soy as uh, women because it can increase estrogen production. But it's it's very, very high levels of soy consumption. You have to eat a lot of soy in every meal of every day to see increases in te- of estrogen in men that would be significant. Okay. So for most guys, eating a soy protein every now and again, you're not going to turn into a woman. That's just right. not going to happen. Right. It, it's, anyway, um, I understand why people don't do it. I don't take a soy supplement, but it's because I enjoy whey protein. Yeah. And I'm not a vegan, so I don't have to worry about animal-based products being an issue. Right. So... I, there are different options of even protein supplementation. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend one over the other? I recommend whey and casein supplements for protein or a blend of each. Okay. Both of them seem to be equally bioavailable. Casein protein, for whatever reason, forms a gel in the stomach and is digested more slowly than whey protein. And so for some people, if they know they're not going to be able to eat for a while, which is the case, you know, when you go to sleep, <laughs> you're not able sure. to eat for six to eight hours, maybe longer. And so many people take a casein supplement before they go to sleep just to kind of provide themselves with some uh, kind of a steady drip of protein throughout the night. 
there's not really enough data to suggest that that's significantly different than getting a consistent amount of protein throughout your day. Sure. Like you're not going to really notice a benefit, probably. Supplement yeah. companies want you to think that it will. <laughs> they really yeah. want you to think that casein protein is going to be the answer to your recovery of issues. Yeah, if that's what they're selling. Yeah, but a good night's sleep does just as much, if not more, than timing that protein release with a casein protein. Sure. So I think um, it mixes a little thicker. So if you like a thick shake, casein's your guy. <laughs> but if you just care about getting protein in, then a whey, a casein, or a blend is a great option. Yeah. I would stay away from uh, proteins with a low leucine content, which we'll talk about uh, maybe if we have time in our ancillary supplement um, section. But mm, three to five-ish grams of leucine per serving of a protein supplement is really good. There's been enough research to validate that leucine is really the most important amino acid in terms of muscle growth. And so a high leucine content per serving of protein is essential. And animal products all contain high leucine content. So gotcha. if you're eating animal products, which would be meat, dairy, uh, poultry, etc., then you're probably doing just fine. Don't yeah. have to worry too much about it. But again, if you're eating a replete diet of animal-based products um, on, and you're getting at least one gram of protein per pound of body weight per day from your diet, there's no need to supplement. It's just really hard to do that. It is, yeah. Well, what about if you go over? So yeah. I, I've seen some recent research on this, but if if you do say you're 150 pounds and that's how much you're taking in, what happens if you eat 175 grams of protein? There have been research studies that are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so people, research studies that, they don't force anybody to do anything, right? Because people all sign up for these studies, but sure. they have their participants eat two to three grams per pound of body weight per day Ugh. of protein. <laughs> so uh, these people are, are just thinking about it. These people weigh 150 and they're eating 300 to 400 grams of protein per day. I hope and they're they using it. supplements. Yeah, presumably <laughs> they are. I, I don't typically read that deep into it, but uh, there are meta-analyses on these exact topics where people for weeks on end every day, seven days a week are eating two to three grams of Ugh. protein per pound of body weight. While there's a diminishing um, uh, return on that style of eating, there have been no known or no listed negative side effects from protein consumption. Right. Where some people may have uh, negative side effects of just feeling bad from eating <laughs> that much protein. Yeah. And also for some people, if you eat lots of whey protein and you're sensitive to dairy, you're going to have sure. some GI upset. Of course. That's not linked to the protein itself. That's linked to the source of the protein. Right. So the protein intake itself... Um, is there have been no known studies that show significant negative side effects of increased protein intake. Now, you do excrete it in the form of urea in your urine, mm -hmm. and it gets processed and sent out the body with poop, <laughs> right? So we're, we're, we're using it for energy, uh, and the body doesn't prefer to use it for energy. It prefers to use carbohydrates for energy. But nonetheless, um, you're just going to excrete what you don't use, yeah. and you use a lot, a significant oh, yeah. amount, provided that it's a high-quality protein. Mm-hmm. So essentially, there's no harm in taking a protein supplement mm -mm. other than maybe some GI distress. Right, if you're sensitive to it. Yeah, maybe some discomfort just from eating so much. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you're paying for something you don't need to be paying for. That's right. Yeah. So maybe your budget is filling it a little more than mm -hmm. anything else. Yeah, and it, I recommend it. If you can get away without eating a protein supplement, don't. Just yeah. eat food. Yeah. Right. Is most people can't eat that much animal product in their day. And so they're sure. getting protein from breads and vegetables and fruits. And even though they're marginal, they're just not that useful for the body in terms of muscle growth or sure. muscle rebuilding. 
And so it's not really useful in our topic for our conversation. Those are not useful forms of protein. Yeah. Useful in other ways, but not for performance. So essentially, if you're listening, the protein supplement is for you. Yep. Unless you're already hitting your target. That's right. Which, again, we've talked about like 0.8 to yeah, 1 yeah, yeah. gram per mm-hmm. per pound of body weight. So if you're hitting that, there's probably not a need to supplement. But I would I would guess. <laughs> if I were a betting man. Yeah, if I were a betting woman here, I would say less than half are actually hitting that target. Maybe maybe less than Probably that. Maybe that. less than a quarter. Yeah. I don't know who our audience is. Maybe we've got some high-level athletes out there right. finally checking us out. Mm-hmm. But I, I would I would bargain less than half mm-hmm. are hitting that number. So even if it's just one shake a day. I yeah. mean, if you're like Johnny and you're gaining weight, you're drinking three shakes a day. Mm-hmm. But one shake a day, that's easily an extra 20 grams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I and guess that might be something worth noting too is – which protein do you pick out? So there are thousands of options yeah. of whey protein. Mm-hmm. What are things you need to look for on a label? Mm-hmm. Well, I like to read the ingredient list and know some of the words. Yeah. <laughs> if I can't identify some of the words or if it's like, um, you know, let's make up a brand of our own. Wilson Super Blend. <laughs> you know, like if it says whey protein and then the next ingredient is wilson super blend like ah i don't know what's in that right and it's weird that you don't want to tell me yeah so those are kind of scary um and then when i'm looking at the label i'm also looking at total protein content Uh so like how many grams per serving right how many servings per container yeah just doing some math here um and then what's the value so how much money am i having to pay per serving Uh i like to be under a dollar per serving most of the time uh which you can do just it's takes a little bit shopping around sometimes and being willing to shop in person versus online, depending on where the deals are, et cetera. But then, uh, I like to look at leucine content. Uh-huh. So again, I like to see three grams or higher of leucine content per serving per serving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not many brands will say they're leucine content out the gate. But then I look at the back and I can look at the amino acid profile sometimes if they include it to see what kind of amino acids they're, they're purporting is in their shake. And then the, the biggest thing that I check off first is, is this a reputable brand? Sure. So if this brand has been around for a long time or has been tested and they normally supplement companies have now been doing this for long enough that they tout their certification. So they, if they're cert- they tout their certification. So if they're certified by a lab door, tout means that they boast about it. Oh, okay. So it's normally smacked on their front page of their website. Like sure. we're certified by safe sport or you. lab door or, um, tout. I'm gonna third use party, that word some this kind of, week. Yeah. <laughs> some third party agency. Uh, and then it needs to be, that needs to be a reputable agency. So sure. you need to have heard about this <laughs> this yeah. agency. It can't just be like the Wilson Certification <laughs> Agency for We should start that. Open <laughs> certifying a lab. supplements. Oh yeah. my gosh. So anyway, those are the big things I look for are what's the can I understand the ingredient list? Um what are the oh I also I didn't I forgot to mention the the total calorie and carb count. Yeah. So I don't really like super high carb protein shakes. Because I don't, that's not, I'm not looking for a carb supplement. Right. Looking for a protein supplement. Yeah. At that point, just eat another meal. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I don't do mass gainers, which is a conversation for another time. They're not bad. I just like, I'd rather have a meal. Sure. Most of the time. Um, So anyway, yeah, those are the big things to look for on a protein. So you've been, how long have you been taking protein supplementation? (laughs) I mean. Like 15 years? 15 years, yeah. Okay. So give your top three faves. For those out there who are listening, it's like, I don't want to look at all this stuff. Just tell me what I should buy. I wish I were an affiliate, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, so it's probably good for the listener. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't get paid for anything that I say about One this. day. 
Maybe one, one day. day, yeah. Uh, Bear Performance Nutrition has an awesome protein supplement. It's so good. Yeah. So theirs is incredible. What what flavor did you like? Chocolate. It's awesome. Yeah. It's so good. Pretty much any of the ones Johnny says, he's had the chocolate. Yeah, they're all chocolate. <laughs> I've had other kinds too. I just prefer chocolate. Uh, so Bear, BPN, their whey protein, or their protein blend is very good. Uh, BSN is, they have a really good, it's called Synthesix. It's been around for over a decade. It's delicious and it's very high quality. So I like that a lot. I actually love Optimum Nutrition Gold Standard. It's just expensive. Yeah. They've been around for like maybe two decades at this point. I've been around for a long, long time mm-hmm. as a supplement company. And they're delicious and very high quality, but they're just cost prohibitive. So the right. ones that I tend to buy, I really like these days uh, Rule One Nutrition. They have a, a line of supplements that I really enjoy. And I find that they're uh, pretty high quality and I trust them. I also trust my protein. Uh, yeah. The brand, my protein, they're just a little bit expensive now too. Yeah. They up their prices in a major way. And then the brand that I've been buying recently that I enjoy, which I, uh, to be honest, have not done as much due diligence on as I have in my, my past on other <laughs> supplement companies is Nutrex, N-U-T-R-E-X. Uh, they have a brand, they have a, a blend called Muscle Infusion <laughs> that I really like. <laughs> it's got to be good if it's got a name <laughs> like that. It just mixes really well and it's delicious. <laughs> I really like taking it. Yeah. Was that the one that had the two different chocolate blends? Uh-huh. So which one's your favorite? Well, so they have a normal whey protein and they have a muscle infusion. Oh, I got And you. muscle infusion is my favorite. The chocolate muscle infusion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That's yeah. what's in our cabinet right now. Yes. And some rule one strawberry, which is very good as well. It is. Yeah. So yeah. No, those are the bigs. I'm not huge on milk. And so when I'm using uh, protein shakes to supplement my diet, uh, my protein has a clear whey supplement mm-hmm. that mixes really well with water. Mm-hmm. It's a more of a fruity blend. Mm-hmm. I think the one I like the most is dragon fruit. Dragon fruit, yeah. Yeah, dragon fruit is really good. So that's an option, which Johnny will mix. You'll mix your whey with water mm-hmm. occasionally, depending on how many calories you're intaking. But a lot of times mm-hmm. it's milk. Yeah, in the morning it's milk, and then at night I would mix it with water just so I don't have as many calories going into the bedtime. Yeah. So for me, I, I just... One, I do get the GI discomfort from mm-hmm. that much milk. I'm not a big milk fan. And I just, it's so much easier for me to throw a shake down if, if I'm not mixing it with mm, milk. And I yeah. really like the the clear way mm-hmm. isolates. Yeah, it. it's really good. Mixes that way. So for you guys out there who don't prefer to have so much dairy intake, yes, it's still whey, mm-hmm. but you can mix it with water and still get a really good taste out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's still 20 grams at least yeah. mm-hmm. per 20 serving. grams per serving. Yeah. And is that your recommendation? Looking for something that's... I wouldn't get anything under 20 grams. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not worth my time, in my opinion. Right. Okay. So I feel like we were fairly replete with protein. Anything yeah. else you want to throw in there? No, I think it's good. All right. What about creatine? First, what is it? Okay. So creatine is probably the most mystical supplement of the last two decades. It's always a hot topic. It comes and goes. It does. It, it, and it's in a renaissance, or it has been in the last year. And people are so confused by it. Mm-hmm. They just don't know what it's about or what it's for. It also so seems to be kinds. really polarizing. <laughs> yeah, people are all about it. I've heard, man, I was in the gym a couple years back, and I was listening to two bros who had no idea what they were talking about talk about creatine. And one of them, one bro said to the other, no, I don't I don't drink creatine because it, it takes water from your kidneys. I was like, what? I didn't even, I did not jump into the conversation because I didn't, I didn't have the bandwidth to even try. Sure. But people are out here thinking creatine's causing liver damage and hurting your kidneys. And yep. there's a bunch of misconceptions about creatine. They think it's a, a PED, like potentially a banned substance. Like there's all kind of stuff. But people are just confused with creatine. So I'm going to try to give you the bare bones. What is creatine? Yeah. Without getting too sciencey, 
creatine increases the amount of energy available to burn during high power activities. So distance runners shouldn't take creatine for a performance enhancement aid, but maybe for the mental aid sure, or the brain aid, you know, or if they're doing resistance training, then it's useful in my opinion. Otherwise it's probably not super useful. So to get sciencey with it, the primary energy pathway in the body for high power activities. So high power being if you sprint, mm-hmm. run, jump, yeah. lift something super heavy, really fast, throw. Those are all high power activities. Lots of force, lots of speed. Um, so weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting is a very high power. It's the only high power right. sport. Yeah. Uh, weight training is typically a, a power based or force based sport as well. So the, the primary energy pathway in the body that handles that kind of energy production is called the creatine phosphate or the phosphocreatine system. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go ahead and get science and you can ignore me if you get bored. <laughs> so essentially when we're using energy in the body, we use it in the form of a currency called ATP, adenosine triphosphate. And there's a very large cascade of events that happens for every single muscle contraction. But at the end of that cascade for a muscle to contract, ATP has to be broken down into constituent parts adenosine diphosphate and an inorganic phosphate free floating yep. inside the muscle tissue so the, the, the three p's break apart that's right you get two p's uh and a single p yeah. you get a double <laughs> p and a single that's p. right yeah. yeah and so when that bond is broken in the atp down to adp energy is released and that allows for uh the myosin filament inside of a muscle to pull the actin filament of the muscle through a power stroke, okay, this is okay. So basically, it allows muscles to contract. <laughs> ATP We're just gonna go into exercise down. physiology really quickly. Yeah, that's not the purpose of this conversation. <laughs> so what happens then? Once we have ATP and an inorganic phosphate, sorry, ATP broken down into ADP mm-hmm. and an inorganic phosphate, uh, the body needs more ATP. Right. And so it makes sense that we could just kind of smack that P back on the ADP. Yep. Then you'd have ATP again. Right. Presumably, you could do that forever. And just have limitless energy, but yeah. you can't. Right. What has to happen is we actually have to get that create. Sorry, that um, inorganic phosphate binds to creatine to form creatine phosphate, and we can break off that version of the phosphate and put it onto the uh, ADP to make another round of ATP. It's recycling the phosphate. Yes, yes it's recycling the phosphate in the presence of creatine kinase, which breaks down that phosphocreatine into a usable form of phosphate that can then be used to reformulate ATP from ADP. Right. That all takes about 10 seconds and you're done. There's no more available uh, creatine to be used to make, to use, sorry, (laughs) no more available phosphocreatine to make more ATP out of. Right. Which is why like someone who is running long distance wouldn't benefit because they're running for more than 10 seconds. That's correct. So if your event or your activity takes longer than 10 seconds to complete, you probably will not benefit very much from using creatine as a supplement. Okay. But you think about weightlifting in general, most of the heavy work of weight training is done in 10 seconds or so. So like if you're doing a heavy set of squats, it's probably going to take you about 30 seconds, but you can get a lot of momentum from the first 10 seconds of squatting that will take you deeper into the set. Yeah. So it makes sense to take a creatine supplement for something like that. So all creatine does is it stores, a creatine supplement stores more creatine inside of the muscle cell to be used for binding a phosphate 
to an ADP to make more ATP, to make more energy more quickly for a little bit longer time. And if you break that all down, that's probably a one to 10%, depending on your, your abilities, gain in performance. So is it worth it? Yes. If you care (laughs) okay give us a uh, a practical reason a a practical example of someone in the gym that -hmm. would benefit in the moment from supplementing with creatine so two guys are doing bench press okay one guy's supplementing one guy is not they're both doing as many reps as possible the guy was supplementing with creatine probably gets one more rep why is one more rep beneficial if you multiply one more rep over multiple sets multiple days and multiple weeks it adds up to tens to hundreds more reps right and more reps equal more stimulus more stimulus means more growth marginal gains yeah but so it's the aggregation of marginal gains right read james clear yeah uh it's another reference to atomic <laughs> habits <laughs> i just finished reading it again there we go so anyway uh it's a marginal gain but it's legit um a secondary fringe benefit is because it increases the tonicity of the solution inside of the muscle cell uh, it does tend to draw water into the muscle cell which increases muscle hydration uh, which may decrease viscosity and increase overall performance from that muscle itself. And it also makes your muscles look a little bit bigger, which is cool. Yeah. That's the quote unquote water weight that people talk about you gain with creatine. Right. Which does mean you probably should be on top of your hydration game. But as long as your pee's not yellow, you're probably good. Yeah. Like if your pee looks like apple juice, you might be in trouble. If it looks like lemonade, you're And that's fine. if you're taking creatine or not. Yeah. No matter what. <laughs> yeah. No matter what supplement you're taking, if your pee looks like apple juice. We need more water. Yeah. We need more water. Okay, so how do you use creatine properly? Let's start with someone who is not taking it at all right now. Mm -hmm. How do they start taking creatine? So creatine, because because it requires loading into the tissue to work, like you have to stockpile creatine in the muscle tissue for it to be used by the muscle, you have to take it for longer than just a day. So plenty of supplement companies will will tout, back to our previous word, that their (laughs) pre-workout contains creatine. Well, that doesn't matter because if you take pre-workout one day and not the next, you don't have any benefit from that creatine. Right. You didn't, you didn't get anything out of it yeah. that you didn't get just from your normal diet. So consistency is important. Consistency is very important, even on non-training days. So, so much so that if you miss more than one day in a row, you probably have peed out all the creatine you stockpiled during you the process of taking. You pretty much have to start over. Yeah. yeah. So some supplement companies recommend you do a loading phase when taking creatine. So if you go from taking no creatine to beginning to take it, They'll recommend taking double or triple the dose per day for two weeks, which does increase the speed at which your muscles kind of top out on creatine, but only by like five to seven days. Yeah. So you end up using double the product for like a 30% decrease in the time. Which for the the company is great. Yeah. It makes more money for the company. (laughs) And it does technically speed up how fast you can stockpile that protein, but sorry, that creatine, but it's not really, you're not going to notice the effect. So my recommendation would be, Anyone that's taking the creatine supplement, take it every single day, training day, non-training day, for a cycle. So this is not like a cycle like testosterone. You could take it every day the rest of your life and be fine. Yeah. I just think it makes the most sense if you're doing a muscle gain phase or if you're doing a performance-based phase that you don't spend your money on it. If you're, if you're doing a bunch of endurance training in a phase, you don't need to take it. Anyway, sure. five grams per day, every day, at any time you want, as long as you're consistent. Is that all at the same time? Yes, all five grams at the same time. Yeah. So, so one scoop in your protein which, shake in the morning. Five grams is so small. And that's what I was going to yeah, say. How tiny. do you take it? You, you put it in your protein mm-hmm. shake. And you can actually weigh this if you have a food scale, but supplement companies do a pretty good job of just putting a five gram scoop in their thing. Right. 
So what if someone's not taking protein supplement? How should they take it in? Any way that they can be consistent. So if you if you have any sort of routine at all, like oh I drink every day, I drink this bottle of water. Yeah. Throughout the day before lunch. Okay, just mix it in your water. Get unflavored yeah. creatine, right. micronized so that it mixes well, and just take that. And that's it. That's all you got to do. Yeah. No loading phase, nothing fancy with it. Just make sure you get it in your body generally throughout the day. In one sitting, it's great. Like if you mix it in one bottle, just one scoop in a thing, whatever you choose to be consistent with, and then just do it every day. Yeah. So for me, I have a protein shake every single day. Sure. So it just makes sense. I put the creatine next to my protein, and I just put a scoop of each in my protein shake in the beginning of the day, and I'm done. Right. I don't think about it anymore. Okay. So is there anyone that, which I think you've already said this, but just for clarification's sake, is there anyone who should not take protein? Creatine. Um, sorry, creatine. <laughs> so creatine can cause some GI distress for some people. And that's relatively common, common enough that it's a warning. So if you find that it's you, you probably shouldn't take it. It's just sure. not worth it. Uh, endurance athletes or people that don't care very much about muscle growth, which is a decent amount of people, yeah, um, shouldn't take it. Or people that don't care about um, power output, performance, sure. et cetera, probably yeah. shouldn't take it. Uh, but then really there's no reason you would not. Like there's nothing dangerous that could happen if you didn't want to take it other than you may need to take a little bit more uh, focus on water. Sure. And so if you didn't really want to focus on water and then if you didn't want to spend any extra money on something you didn't have to have, you shouldn't take it. Right. And if you didn't want to add something to your, your regimen, sure. You shouldn't take it. So is there a difference in the, the person who's trying to gain weight, gain muscle versus lose fat? Should both of those groups of people take it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Anything that's going to increase the stimulus from the weight room, I think is beneficial provided it's well researched, well, well researched, which creatine is. So yeah, uh, weight gain or fat loss, I think are both totally relevant. Okay. And then is there any, not recommendation, but any, uh, warning or anything they should be aware of? Like, will you see a gain in water weight, a significant gain in water weight? On the scale. Yes, you probably will see a gain, and it would probably be in the ballpark of one to three pounds over the course of two to three weeks, which can be scary if you're taking a weight loss phase seriously. Mm -hmm. But I think the pros outweigh the cons, even for the weight loss person. Yeah, when I say warning, not that this is a bad thing, but just be aware. Yeah, yeah, good to know. That doesn't mean that you should change anything about your diet necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's the creatine that's changing the number on the scale. And if you are scared and you don't care to lose a bunch of creatine stores (laughs) and you 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 spend three weeks and you're like, oh, I've gained three pounds, Uh just stop taking it and you'll probably find that you peed out three pounds in the next two days. Right. Okay. Anything else you want to add about creatine? There's plenty more to discuss there, but that's the basics. It's just an energy enhancer. There's nothing magical or fancy about it. There's some pretty good data that suggests it's useful for the brain, and it's a very safe supplement. But just like with everything else, if you take it and you don't like it, or you don't like the way you feel, or you're nervous, then don't take it. Sure. It's not necessary. And again, it's marginal gains. That's right. Also, I would say, well, you've already said this, but if you're not willing to to do the last rep that it will give you yeah don't there's take it. no need to take it yeah. the waste if of your you're money not working out hard don't yeah. take it yeah. yeah if you're just goobing around on the treadmill it's not worth it or if you're just goobing around on the bench press right. you're not transformed yeah. yeah you're not gonna notice it because you're not gonna get to that last rep exactly it's a great point all right so let's go into our last major group that we mm-hmm. talked about so we've done protein we've done creatine let's let's cover pre-workout mm-hmm. all right so what is pre-workout? I'm laughing because I feel like that's a silly question. But. Maybe, but it's just anything you take before a workout that's supposed to make your workout better. 
And there's so many different ways that compliment com- supplement companies sell that, you know? So there's yeah. like focus agents and pump agents right. and stimulants and there's all sorts of stuff. So generally a pre-workout is just there to make you a little bit more excited to work out, increase your heart rate a little bit, maybe increase the pump you feel when you do work out and then make your workout feel more effective. Sure. So what, I feel like that you just kind of covered the pros. Mm-hmm. Are there any cons to pre-workout? Oh yeah, there's tons of cons. <laughs> so people can get reliant on them, right? Yeah. When they feel like they can't work out if they don't take their pre-workout. A lot of pre-workouts come with very high doses of caffeine. Yep. And so if you take it and you have any kind of heart problems, it could be an issue. Mm-hmm. If you take it and you have trouble sleeping, it could be an issue. If you take it and you don't have trouble sleeping, you might start having trouble sleeping. And then it could make you tolerant to all forms of caffeine. So the morning cup of joe that you normally like to drink before you go to work is no longer effective because you take 300 milligrams of caffeine before you work out at 3 p.m. every day. I mean, and you my can heart no longer, race, you just saying that. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't uh, even notice the effect of your coffee anymore. So a bunch of cons, and that's just scratching the surface. Okay, so with that many cons, is it worth taking? For some people, yes. Which people? It's the people that feel like they would like an extra boost. And maybe this is true if you know about yourself, like, I'm not going to go to the gym if I don't take a pre-workout. Okay, well, then take the pre-workout. It's worth the 30 bucks per month or whatever to get a pre-workout, and as long as it's not hurting you, that's fine. Um, I don't like having a crutch to work out. Yeah. I want to be able to go, I want to have a mindset that says I'm going to work out no matter what. I want to have it so strong that I need nothing to fluff me up to, to go sure. work out. Sure, So well, I don't want any crutches. Sometimes I feel like if your body, if you're having to convince yourself that much to go to the gym, it might be time for an off day. Yeah, I might need to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> take that, a nap. It might be your body signaling to you, hey, take care of me for a mm-hmm. minute, drink some more water, take mm-hmm. a nap. Yeah. Please don't give me 300 more milligrams of caffeine. Right, and exactly. Suppress this sleep pressure. Yeah. I do think that it's useful for some people too. Like, um, I, I enjoy pump enhancement yeah. pre workouts. Yeah. I take a pump enhancement every now and again. Because I, I think there is enough research to say that a really good pump can increase muscle growth. So sure. there's that. Uh, and then I, I'd like a nitrous oxide. Studies have been very favorable to nitrous oxide in t- intake. And a lot of uh, pre-workers have nitrous oxide. So it, it's got various arterial, artery, uh, and general heart benefits. So sure. vasodilators. Right. Nitrous oxide is a, nitric oxide is a vasodilator. And that can make blood pressure go down mm-hmm. and your heart more efficient. So it's a lot of good things yeah. there. Okay, so with the pre-workout, how do you use it properly? Ideally, you're not taking a very high caffeine pre-workout. So I would say under 200 milligrams of caffeine per serving. And in fact, if it's me, I'm under 150. So I'm looking for a pre-workout that's like 125 all the way down to like 90. I just would take something that would just kind of wake me up a little bit. I don't want something that makes me feel crazy. Well, and the issue is most people that take a pre-workout... I feel like are working out at after work, right? Mm -hmm. 4 p.m., 5 p.m. Right. And you're trying to turn around and go to bed five hours later. And it makes sense because you're tired after work. Yeah. But you're not setting yourself up well. Right. Exactly. So maybe it almost to me would be like, yeah, a pre-workout would be more beneficial if you're having a morning workout. Yes. You got 12 hours to get it out of your system. Right. Exactly. But that's, I mean, I feel like that's not who you see taking the pre-workouts typically. And maybe that's because I'm in the gym at 4 p.m. with the people. (laughs) I'm not at the gym at 5 a.m. Right. Uh, So a lot of pre-workouts also contain beta-alanine, which is another supplement that is useful. We won't talk about it now, but it does tend to make you feel tingly, which just makes you feel like something's happening. But for most people working out in the gym, it does nothing functional. It just makes them feel ready. Yeah. Uh, And so 
if that's you and you like to feel like something's going on, then take the pre-workout. Just take it about 30 minutes before you go to the gym. Uh, it is like people talk about all the time, like missing their window of pre-workout. Like I took my pre-workout and then I got stopped with the conversation for 30 minutes. And like now I'm at the gym, like I'm not as buzzed as I was. Sure. That's a con to me. Uh, but if you're going to take a pre-workout, take it 20 to 30 minutes before you get to the gym and time it so that you're at the peak buzz <laughs> before you actually start working out. Yeah. I just can't get the weekend song out of my, is it the weekend that says I can't feel my face? Yeah, it's the weekend. You? Just yeah. like a gym bro ho- yeah. holding some pre-workout. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, That's exactly right. So distracted by that image in my head. Yeah. All anyway, right. I think it is, I think it can be useful. I just don't recommend many people take it. I'd never recommend my athletes take it because the the most commonly uh, banned substances are found in stimulate stimulant based pre workouts. Yeah. So for athletes, I just say don't take it. It's not it's extremely just, regulated. Yeah, it's not worth yeah. it. In my opinion, you could just drink so, a cup of coffee. I was, that was just about to say that. Is there something you could do instead? Because I, I think an extra cup of coffee mm-hmm. or some sort of caffeinated yeah, beverage, green tea, yeah, like that. yeah, might might do the trick for you. It's it's probably not going to make your face tingle. Probably not. Um, but it could still give you the same enhancement. And there's a lot of research on caffeine and mm-hmm. the use of it in the gym mm-hmm. or yeah. for performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, um, you know, a black coffee mm-hmm. might be an option, especially if you haven't been taking pre-workout at all. Mm-hmm. And then you start a supplement that's got 200 milligrams mm-hmm. of it when you could drink a cup of coffee that has 60. Yeah. Maybe that's all you need. Maybe yeah. you don't need that extra 140 Right. And milligrams. you could start with a half dose if you wanted to, sure. like a half dose of pre-workout if you wanted to get into it. But again, you're just paying money for something that makes you want to go work out. Right. If you can just establish the habit without that, then it's probably unnecessary money. Yeah. Now, if you like the pump agent, get a non-stem pump agent. That's mm-hmm. what I recommend. Yeah. BPN sells a good one. It's called Endopump. BPN Endopump. sponsor me, bro. But <laughs> Endopump is a great agent because it increases the pump and you don't really feel any other effect. Right. Yeah. It's a vasodilator, essentially. Yeah. Um, so if you get a, a vasodilator, a nitric oxide supplement mm-hmm. that does not also have a stimulant with it, then it's probably a pretty good idea if that's something that you're interested in. But it's not necessary. Right. So out of the three that we've covered, really, if for any general listener, protein's where to start. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And likely, likely, everyone who's not taking protein, a, a protein supplement, could benefit from yes. one. Yes. And would yes. benefit from one. Absolutely. As far as the creatine goes and the pre-workout goes, it's it's marginal. Yeah, right? yeah, it definitely benefits creatine for sure. Yeah, very well researched, very safe, very effective. But if you're gonna start somewhere, start with start protein. With protein. Yeah, and then if you got if you want to go deeper, do creatine. You want to go deeper, then you can start looking at stuff like. Beta alanine, pre-workouts, EAAs, branched chain amino acids, etc. Yeah, I was going to say, if you want to go further, call Johnny and he'll be your coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I do think that's a good plug, actually, for me or for anyone else. Working with someone that actually does this for a living is probably a good way to make sure you're taking good supplements. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can spend literal hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. on supplements that you don't need and are not effective without realizing it if you're just not educated in the space. Right. We talked for an hour about three supplements. Yeah. And that's one tiny corner of vitamin shop. Oh, yeah. And and we were very surface level compared yeah. to what we could have talked about. Yeah. So working with a professional is a great way. If you don't if you don't know, ask someone that knows. Yeah, absolutely. And trying to parse through all the information on your own would take you hundreds of hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so having someone who's trained in it is very beneficial. Yeah. Thank you, Johnny Wilson. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> all right. So we had, we had discussed... Um, Going through some ancillary mm-hmm. supplements. 
I don't know that we really have time for that. It's, yeah. We've been a little long-winded with mm-hmm. covering the, the major three we wanted to discuss. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to add about those or should potentially just open it up for people to shoot us some questions in the Q&A or maybe we can cover that in a, a future episode? Yeah, Is there anything people- important you want to leave... I think we can open it with the Q&A. I think you're you're seeing a dramatic drop-off in return on investment for supplements that are not a protein supplement, a creatine supplement, maybe a pre-workout. Yeah. I mean, other than everything after that, like look at a branched-chain amino acid supplement. That's just a piece of a protein. Right. Literally, the it's just a couple of amino acids inside yeah. of a complete protein. If you're already getting a complete protein profile in your diet, it's just unnecessary. It's right. not going to give you anything extra than your normal protein intake will. Sure. Same with essential amino acids. So they say that it increases recovery, but if you're already eating a gram per pound of body weight of protein, it's probably not going to give you any kind of increased recovery. Yeah. So there's stuff we could say about that. I'll kind of hit them really briefly. Like if you wanted to look into something like beta alanine, if you're a CrossFitter, that's probably worth it. If you're an endurance athlete, it's probably worth it because it does uh, reduce muscle buffering. Excuse me. It increases muscle buffering capacity, which reduces the likelihood for metabolic acidosis mm-hmm. and would increase the time to uh, local muscle fatigue right. as a result of the buildup as a result of the buildup of metabolic byproducts so again that's a niche thing and not right. many people do that yeah. and would, would benefit from it and even the people that would benefit from it probably have to be on the edge of the margins to find really good benefits mm-hmm. from it so mm-hmm. we could we could kind of mention those but i think what you said is a good idea if you have questions and you want some answers drop them in the Q&A portion of the Spotify episode or send me a DM on Instagram at Jonathan Wilson official. And I'd be happy to answer some of those supplementation questions and we might bring them up in the next episode. Yeah. And we'd love to know what guys, not what guys, what supplements you guys are taking. So (laughs) maybe you've got some faves like Johnny hit us with his favorite, Mm -hmm. uh, chocolate proteins Mm -hmm. because all of them are chocolate for him. Yep. But maybe, maybe you can drop us a a favorite protein down in the the Q&A too and some, some viewers can benefit from your consumption. Yeah, and let us know if you if you think we missed anything, anything big. Like yeah. Missed a whole category of supplements that we didn't talk about that you think we should have. Absolutely. Let us know. Yeah. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. All right, see you in the next episode.